What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> Lee, is my desk sticky? Mm, no, what? Okay, because I spilled the, this, and my entire thermos of coffee, literally. Just oh, went all just over. now? Yeah, so if you were to lick my desk, a little hint of uh, coffee? Col- Colombian and French vanilla probably. Oh, well, you know? cool. I, I had some Colombian coffee this morning. It was I made the, it. the biggest mess I've made in maybe two years, three years. I can't remember the last time I made a mess like that. So that was my debacle this morning. And then Cody, over here, our producer, hit a deer on his way in this morning. Oh, no. Yeah. Total his car? Uh, you know, it's hard. I'm not an insurance adjuster or a auto body repair shop, you know, so it's hard is, to say. Is it drivable? Yeah, he drove it here. Okay. But the way that damage works, you know, the, the way things add up, I mean, it might. I mean, you never know because the bills are always way higher than I would expect them to be. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I tag one. I, it's funny. I, I donated a deer last last year yeah. and was on my way back to my farm. I was what, one mile, almost one mile from my farm. A big buck ran across and I tag, tagged it. I saw it coming. Luckily, and I flamed on the brakes. Truck was still drivable. It was still close to four thousand dollars for the damage. I know that's what I'm it's saying. It's crazy. Crazy. Let's tell people who we're talking to real quick. All right. I'm Chase Winninger, host of the podcast. Lee McClellan, coast. This been beautiful weather lately. It's, I love it. It's been wonderful. And then today's guest, the one you just told, heard tell that story, is Roger Lapointe. Roger, you're the executive director of Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry, right? That's correct. And how you doing? So aside from hitting deer with your truck and donating deer, what have you been up to lately? Oh, man, uh, just uh, working on the program. Uh, we've got so much new and exciting things going. It's been it's it's great to be a deer hunter in Kentucky. It is. So. And uh, like Lee said, this weather has really got me turned on to it. Oh, it's yeah. uh, these 40-degree mornings, oh, 39, 40, a little bit brisk, and then in the in the evenings and the afternoon, it's, it's been about 60 walking in, sitting in the stand, and then right before dark when the sun starts setting, you get that cool little crisp mm. air. It feels like deer hunting outside. And honestly, that's probably what I'll be doing this afternoon and tomorrow. Broke out my first sweatpants and sweatshirt of the year, of the fall. We need to talk about deer hunting just in general, what the deer are doing right now. But, Roger... It's it's a big time of the year for you too, right? For the right. exact same reason. Exactly. Acorns start falling, and man, it's a great time to be in the woods. It's a great time to be uh, in the woods, but also probably a great time to be in the deer business. I mean, <laughs> you know, not you aren't necessarily in the deer business, but you're in the deer, the venison business, I guess you'd say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. Tell, not, tell, not that we get paid, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You're the ones doing the paint. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Tell us how that works. So Kentucky Hunters for the Hunger, it's 5013C, right? Correct. A nonprofit. And so essentially, what is Kentucky Hunters for the Hunger? Basically, our mission is to provide venison for the less fortunate in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. We have over 55 processors now spread out across the whole Commonwealth. And uh, the way it works is a uh, a hunter will take a legally harvested deer, Mm -hmm. drop it off at one of our participating processors, which can be found on our website, Mm -hmm. and uh, basically field dress, uh, confirmation number. And drop it off, and that's all they have to do. Yeah. And then we'll take it from there. And the pro- what the processor will do is uh, take and grind it into one to two pound packages, freeze it, and then we have uh, food banks all across the Commonwealth that will come and pick up the venison uh-huh. and distribute it for us. So essentially, I'm a, let's say I'm a deer hunter. I am a deer hunter, so this works out really well. I'm a deer hunter, and I'm thinking, okay, I've got a few too many deer out here. 
I, I could probably use taking a few deer. It'd probably benefit my herd, benefit the land. And we've heard from Joe McDermott and the other mm-hmm. deer biologists about how taking does, especially taking does early, can increase your chances at a big buck during the rut and also just increase the health of your property and produce more big bucks, right? Correct. So if you want big bucks, take those early. So right. say I'm a deer hunter, I'm out in the woods, and I'm thinking, okay, I'd really like to get a, get a doe off the landscape right now, but my little four-foot cubic freezer mm-hmm. that I have out in the garage is kind of full right now. How do you make that work, right? Well, your organization is the solution to that problem. You kind of allow people to take additional deer, and that deer still goes to a really good use, probably, I mean, a great use, and they don't have to worry about the processing costs. They don't have to worry about where they're storing the meat and all those things. So it's kind of like a, here's your opportunity to harvest a deer, put it to good use, and not really have to do a lot of the stuff on the back end you know? correct well we've, basically what we do is we expand opportunity mm-hmm. so hey if you shoot your buck early you can take still go hunting yeah then tag some does for us tag some does mm-hmm. or some bucks you guys will take bucks too oh yeah either way any so, you, i'll take anything yeah there you go so so a hunter goes to the processor drops off their deer right mm-hmm. shoot, shoots a doe shoots a buck shoots shoots a deer that they want to donate to hunters for the hungry they telecheck it they have the confirmation number they drop it off at the processor well that processor has to still make money there i mean that's a business as well right so how does the processor get paid in this whole situation that's that's where kentucky hunters for the hungry uh comes in we solicit funding from uh, various organizations and uh we pay that processor okay it's a it's a reduced rate it's not what his going rate is typically it's because you know there's not as much labor involved plus the processor the ones that we have are the salt of the earth good people and Uh they believe in your organization they see the good it's doing it's helping their community because one of the one of the selling points for us and we pick up a processor is we like to keep the venison local Uh so we'll find a we'll find a uh, a food bank or ministry that's serving their community and that's where their deer go for go to first mm-hmm. now if that ministry gets t- too much deer where they fill their freezers up we'll go ahead and spread it out to other parts of the of the uh state like for instance uh, we, we take a lot to eastern kentucky we've done it for the last couple of years and it's been a blessing for a a, a, a zone four and five counties where there's not that much deer so we get deer donated into those counties yeah i've seen specifically the past few years um your organization involved with uh, the tornadoes that happened in western kentucky i believe you guys were providing some yes relief we there. provided relief there uh, we've got three refrigerated uh and freezer trailers that we use a lot uh-huh. that uh that goes to we'll be, we're able to transport venison and we've uh, used them uh, during covid relief to dairy products mm-hmm. and we've taken and uh when we the floods and Eastern Kentucky, yeah. we had all three of our trailers being used in uh, Hazard uh, to provide relief there. Yeah. So uh, I've seen it. I knew Western Kentucky, the tornadoes, yeah, Eastern Kentucky, yeah, the flooding. We, we had it in Ohio County, and then we took it uh, to uh, Hazard as well. So that, that's all. I remember seeing those, and I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, and it's it's great because it's deer hunters really providing the venison and then i'm not sure who you solicit the donations from or where the funding comes from but those individuals too i'm sure a lot of them are deer hunters providing the correct the covering yeah. the cost and then the processors like you said they're doing it at a discounted rate so they're they're a partner as well but i am assuming that the processors you said they're they're grinding it so there probably is a little bit less labor on the processors end because they're not having to do specific they're not, cuts. They're not doing specific yeah. cuts, correct. Yeah. So it probably does save them a little bit of time. Right. And then at the end of the year, too, if, you know, they have uh, people who uh, have 
or getting their deer processed and don't pick it up for some reason, we're an outlet for that as well. Okay. And so we, we, we help get rid of that deer form as well. So. What were you going to say, Lee? Oh, so you do grind it into like a usable form, like hamburger? Y- yeah. What we found, if uh, we worked with Cook Wild. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. And the UK. The UK, the UK yeah. And uh, they came we up do with. We do. We use their yeah. recipes for yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> I think they've got some really good recipes. And. Uh, we asked them specifically find some recipes for ground, for ground meat because anyone can fix hamburger. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hamburger helper, you know, chili, stews, yeah. uh, spaghetti, tacos, you know, any anything you can put ground meat in, deer fits that bill. Mm-hmm. But if you give them a specific cut, like a roast or a steak, they look at you and pardon the mm-hmm. pun, like a deer with a headlight. Well, how do I fix this? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's foreign to them. But, hey, hamburger... Ground meat, anybody can fix it. as easy as it gets, yeah. yeah. I mean, ham, you know, a, a patty or meatloaf or whatever, you know. So I'm here on the website. It's kyhuntersforthehungry.info, and I just pulled it up, so I'm looking at it right now. And so up top, you basically have a few tabs. How to donate a deer, approve processors, donate funding. Um, so if I click on approve processors, for instance, it's just right up top. It comes up with a, a map, literally just a map, and I see all the processors here mm-hmm. um, across the state of Kentucky. Correct. So let's just say I was to click on one, like, all right, we're here in Frankfurt. So close to us, we have the meat room. We have Clark's Deer Processing. Both those are in Baghdad. Then we got C&J over in Spencer County. Um, Taylorsville Butcher Block. In Louisville, we got Kingsley's Meat. So let's just say Kingsley's. That's in Louisville, right? Correct. Somebody takes a deer there. Is that the one by Bowman Field? Yes, I'm okay. right across the street. So it looks like my house. 1950s, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, cool. Right, yeah. There, cool place. right there. Well, oh, I do know where that is. Yeah. Right, right there. Is it close to the Air Devil's Lounge? Yeah, yeah right I mean, down the right street. Across, I mean, yeah. like yeah. adjacent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, uh, that's where my I'm My sister-in-law used to live in apartment over there. Oh, really? So I my father-in-law. And, and, and they, they, he's a great guy, uh, Jeff. And that what we we actually had some depredation permits this summer that we were able to utilize and uh, from a farmer, uh, and we took the meat to them uh-huh. at Kingsley's and he ground it up for us. Where and, does the, so where does that meat from Kingsley's go? I mean that's in Louisville. So I'm right. assuming Well we Dare to Care is is a food bank that we currently use in uh Louisville. Okay. But we also have a few others that uh if we have like a smaller amount like for instance th- uh them uh the, the depredation permits the healing place there in Louisville, uh, Jay Davison is my next door neighbor, and uh, who founded the healing place, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll give it to them. Uh, the uh, Sun 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 Services there in Mount Washington, uh, the children's uh, home there. Uh, we'll, we take some to them as well. There's several different groups uh st vincent de paul catholic charities uh-huh. uh we'll call them there's m- multiple ones in louisville that that, that that reaches out to us on a on a ba- so, on a yearly basis but the, we'll the meat's staying right there in the community correct so i'm looking at little i just named a bunch around our area but as i go down in e-town we have uh cutter ridge and then we have loretto meats and mccain's wild game meat services all close uh, down in the Bowling Green area, there's several processes. Yeah, Barren River Meats, they're huge down there for us. Northern Kentucky's got a several. T- ton several. there. And I'm looking at Lexington, Richmond. Is I mean, one in all the way out to, you know, near Red Meats is the closest one in okay. Bardstown. So they're literally, as you said, they're processors everywhere. Yeah, we got a kind of a big hole there in, uh, in western, northwestern. Like Owen, Owensboro. Uh, in Owensboro area. there, all we hit a, 
uh, McLean McLean's meat processing burnt down and uh, they did oh. not reopen. So that leaves us a hole there. We're looking for some processing. processors there. I bet you somebody knows who's processing deer in Owensboro. And I bet I mean there has to be a connection that can be made. There. I've got uh, one of our regional directors who actually works for the department, Jeremy Shiflett, and mm-hmm. the Department of Fisheries. Yeah. Uh, he's been looking. We ju- we just haven't found one. Now I found saw one on Facebook yesterday that I'm going to call. Yeah. That's in Marion County that I'm going to see uh, if they would like to become part of it. But if any of our listeners know of any processors, contact us because that's one of our hardest things to do. Is as if there's no there's no organization in Kentucky that has a list of deer processors in Kentucky because it's not really regulated. Hmm. So, I mean, I've got the USDA processors from the Department of Ag, but not all of them are, not all of them do deer. Mm-hmm. A lot of them do, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. So I call them and see if they like to become part of it. Or and then the rest of it is, is just small mom and pop shops or mm-hmm. ones that, you know, have been around for a while, like C&Js or Webs and stuff that... Uh, know about but you know they come and go so you know this is a good time for a call to action here essentially i mean we're uh, this this popped up i didn't even think we were going to get into this today i knew we were going to you know talk about hunters for the hungry people can donate deer that's really one of the big asks right is for for people to participate people to harvest the deer people to donate the deer the other one would be the funding because obviously you need people to to make donations to cover the cost pay the processors to process that deer yep the next one, this is the one I didn't know that we were going to get into, is processors on board. Um, that Owensboro area, like you said, there's a gap there. And as I look at the state, it's pretty well covered. But it, it does look like that there might be some opportunity to get a few more processors on. So if you're a processor listening to the podcast or if you're somebody who has a processor and they aren't participating in Hunters for the Hungry right now, maybe you can get on the website, send an email, and, and make a little connection. Yeah, and, then, and really and truly, I like to, to get uh, – recommendations from people who have used processors out in the state because they know the good ones they know the ones that are ethical and ones mm-hmm. you know and that's how that's how I, that's how we get them it's, yeah it's by word of mouth right now yeah. a lot yeah. of it well and they're partners so. of yours and you want good partners so it's, exactly it's, yeah yeah it's good to have yeah. those i'm going to run through just a few questions i wrote down about hunters for the hungry you can give me the quick answers if you want sure so the first one is what is kentucky hunters for the hungry i think we've covered that it's yep. it's 5013c that basically makes it possible for people to donate deer and then the processing cost is covered and then that venison is distributed to people who are less fortunate or might just need the deer in the community mm-hmm. then you guys don't only just do every day you know food banks i mean it's also disaster relief with the floods and the tornadoes and covid and things that have happened recently but how does it work i feel like we might have covered that who does it benefit who would you say it benefits oh well one first it benefits the hunters it expands their season Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it helps the farmers by taking out deer especially in zone one counties that they they need more deer taken and uh then it benefits uh, the processors, not let from more, you know, bring more deer in, and then it benefits the, the people who need it in Kentucky, and that's who who are really the biggest benefactor. That's four wins. Yeah. it's not just a win-win. There's a four of them you just named there. So who can participate? Any any hunter. Any hunter. Any hunter. As long as you can tell a check a deer or harvest a deer legally, you can participate then, right? Right. doesn't have to be... Oh, you know, I did notice something. Now, on the same page on the website, the processors page, you have a full list of all the processors, right? Correct. And, excuse me, I've got a... Oh, I was choking there for a second. 
you've got some really good info here that is 24-hour Dropbox, 24-hour phone, and it's basically yes or no. Mm -hmm. So you can go to this page on your website, and you can really get good info just on processors in general. All right, we, we did that this year, and the reason well, the why is we started a uh, early season contest uh, to get more deer donated early season, uh -huh. and the reason why one of the complaints our processors have is that they get inundated with deer during gun season mm -hmm. and they can't really take our deer because well they're, they're getting paid you know a lot more money for yeah. you know mm -hmm. a deer that's not being donated yeah. so we're trying to get early season deer donated and then that takes some of the pressure off of them so we teamed up with it's okay if i send my sponsor's name go for it uh, kentucky gun co mm -hmm. and uh they helped us uh they gave us a prize to be given away mm -hmm. and so what if a hunter takes a deer early season and that goes all the way to the end of this month i believe mm -hmm. and uh so it encompasses muzzle loading and youth weekend uh there's a poster in in the in the uh processor shop with a qr code mm -hmm. all they have to do is take a picture of that uh QR code, take a picture of themselves donating that deer. Uh, it'll take you right to our email address, mm -hmm. send it in, and we'll enter you into our contest for a prize. I'm guessing that prize is pro probably goes boom. If it's from Kentucky Gun <laughs> Well, actually, no. We, we talked about that. But, yeah. You know, we thought about giving a bow away. Yeah. And then, okay, well, bow hunters are pretty brand specific, brand loyal. Yeah, you got fitting. and you Yeah, got you got all that. All that so, Let's get something that somebody can use, anybody can use, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at something more like, uh, well, I don't want to spoil the surprise. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah, but something anyone can use. It's not just a gun hunter or a bow hunter. Yeah, and, you know, that's a good point because if I saw the bow was being given away for a prize, I would be interested in that probably to turn around and sell. Exactly. You know, because I've got my bow. I love my bow. Yeah. So, and that's how most hunters are. They probably already have those those required pieces of equipment. I mean, it's October right now. If you don't have your bow figured out, you're behind. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I think that's probably a good move. But as I'm looking here, you have accepting early season deer. Yes, 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 yes. No, yes. So, I mean, it's good to know. And then 24-hour drop box is good, too, because... Just for instance, CMJ in Spencer County is one I've got experience with. We've dropped off deer there for Hunters for the Hungry for the TV show before, and they do have a 24-hour drop right. box. Mm -hmm. So it's nice if you shoot one in the evening this time of year. You might not locate it till 8.30. It might be 9.30, 10 o'clock before you get to CMJ's, but you can drop it off. You just fill out your card, put it in the freezer. It's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think that's good info to include, too, because it just makes it, you know, it takes some of the guessing game out of it for the Hunters. So I think that's great. Um, my next question there was, where can someone find more info? I think we gave that, Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry inf mm -hmm. dot info. Kentucky KY Hunters for the Hungry dot info. You also have a Facebook page, don't you, Roger? Correct. Mm -hmm. So where what was that going to be? Just Hunters for the Hungry? Uh, Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry. Now, when we say yeah. Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry, do we need to say Kentucky because it is across other states? Yes. It, uh, actually, we're working with uh, a loose coalition of all the Hunters for the Hungry that's throughout the United States. It's not a... We are Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry specific. We're a 501c3 incorporated in Kentucky, and we're standalone. Tennessee has one, and they're based out of the Tennessee Wildlife uh, Foundation. Uh, Arkansas has one. Uh, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's spread out a lot of it through the southeast, but it's all across the United States. So these are all individual organizations nations, in each yeah, state. Nations, yes. Is there a national? We are 
we are forming that now. We, okay. we, we just started that uh, this last year. And that when you form that national kind of committee, whatever it's going to be, that'll kind of maybe provide some continuity between the states or allow sharing of resources? Sharing of resources and also f- uh, funding. A lot of major funders want something that's nationwide as opposed mm-hmm. to state-specific. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so that'll allow more money to yes, come in. Yes, and also but, government funds as well, hopefully. Yeah, maybe some uh, federal grants type deal. Correct. So that mm-hmm. then you will take that the money that comes in and then use that to pay more processors. Exactly. And then get more yeah. deer donated yeah. and, and basically just expand the scope of the whole operation. And exactly. More venison going out. And, you know, one, one thing about our organization, 96% of all the mo- funds that come into our organization mm-hmm. goes directly to Deer processing. We hit no salary, you know, nothing. That's almost one hundred percent backwards from what you see with a lot of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot mean, of organizations. It's like four well, percent yeah. makes it, no, you know, to the end user. No, but no, we, we take no salary. What the four percent goes for, you know, our insurance yeah. and trailer costs, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you got so operational costs. Just operational costs, but you know, I'm, I'm, we're pretty proud of that. Yeah, so. no, you should be because ninety six percent's a huge. I mean, some some organizations, even some five hundred one three Cs. I mean, it might be ninety percent of the total administrative cost is yeah. is overhead. But, you know, a lot of you know a lot of costs will, like gas mileage to here today. Mm-hmm. I'll eat that. It's nothing. Yeah. So it's well, you don't bring, your, bring your bow, Roger, and yeah. shoot on our new archery uh, range. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we do have so, a new archery range here. Yeah. I've yeah. been taking advantage. Yeah, of it. I've seen it. This looks good. So, the, the, had you seen it since it had been done? Uh, yeah, uh, when I went, I came to the last commission meeting and walked over and looked. Oh, okay, at it, yeah. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, I like it. If if somebody is listening to the podcast and you're in the Frankfurt area, I'd advise you to. All right, yeah, it's state of the art yeah. archery range so, and yeah. handicapped accessible. Yeah, mobility impaired accessible. Sorry. Yeah, sure. mobility accessible and like I say, it's two stories. You can go shoot from ground level. There's a lot of options there, or you can walk up top and there's actually a platform elevated, so you're shooting like out of a deer stand angle. And then they have poles that extend up from that, I guess, where the idea is that you could put the base of your own tree stand up there, and that way you have the platform feel. But I would do that safely. I haven't seen anybody doing that yet. Yeah, but that, that makes me a little nervous. Well, I would, I would do it. I do stuff every day that makes me nervous. I don't know, but <laughs> kind of have to. You're yeah. competent. Some people may not be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I, the one thing that, that works out poorly, because I'm tall, you know, I'm six foot whatever, and... Uh, the railing is never high enough for me. Like my center of balance, my center of gravity is always over top the top of the railing. You know, whereas if I was shorter, I feel like the railing might be higher than my center of gravity, so it'd be harder to fall over. But I feel like I could topple over a railing pretty easy. But then the railing gets in, fo- gets in the way of your bow if yeah. you're shorter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I did blow up my bow one time um, when I was a kid. I was probably 15 years old and I was shooting off the back deck. And, uh, you know, didn't didn't adjust for... When you shoot your bow, the, you, you pull it back, the limbs compress, so your yeah. bow becomes a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. And I was shooting over top of that railing, and I didn't quite give enough space for those limbs to expand back out when I pulled the trigger. And my bottom cam hit that railing, and my string popped off the cam, and it was just a poof, you know. It was all it was all bad. But luckily, I didn't get hurt. Yeah. So. Now, do you remember the old night of Strike Eagles? Oh, yeah. Now, I had a friend of mine did the same thing. Of course, that's got had so many yeah. moving parts, and he... Did the same thing off rail and, and they went every that went bow went everywhere. Those Oneida yeah. Strike Eagles, there. If if someone doesn't know what it is, they can probably. If I give this description, it's like a recurve and a compound put together. It's got limbs on it that are in two pieces, and they basically look like recurve limbs, but they have 
um, pulley systems in them. Mm-hmm. And when you pull it back, those recurve limbs kind of bend in, in the midway point. And they're, they're odd bows, but people love them for bow fishing. Yeah. Um, they've become big demand for that. Big, that's every time I see an Oneida strike eagle now, it's usually on a bow fishing rig. Mm. I'm not sure what the reason for that is. Maybe something to do with the power they put out, being that they're a, a compound, but also maybe that draw cycle is being a little bit smoother. Maybe the back wall isn't so abrupt. I'm I'm just speaking pure gas right now, but that seems like that's what would make a good bow fishing bow to me. It's kind of the power of a compound, but the feel of a recurve, if that makes sense at yeah. all. I'm just I'm just speculating though. Yeah. Um, so my next question: What has Hunters for the Hungry done recently? So I was basically thinking those natch, and then what is the process like for for an individual? And you actually have that right here on your website as well. How do I donate a deer? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Uh, literally a tab on the homepage, and yeah. it, honestly, it seems so simple when I click on it. And you even have an extra step or two in here that really is just kind of covering the bases, right? right. Step one: use a legal buck or doe deer tag. Mm-hmm. Um, step two. Um, basically just field dress the deer, telecheck it, and then take it to the uh, processor is step three. Step four is just sign the donation log, and step five is let everyone know you support us, right? That's right. Is that something you're looking for is just kind of like jump on board? Right. You know? But the one thing I did that's not mentioned in there, but well, it's a little bit, it's like if it's hot, oh yeah, put ice, put ice in the carcass. Yeah. And the other thing is if it's not a deer, that you won't eat, that mm-hmm. you wouldn't eat, mm-hmm. then I don't want it either. Yep. If it's too shot up, if there's, if it's, you think it's uh, could be spoiled because mm-hmm. you didn't get to it in time, don't give it to us because we're. I, I give my processors carte blanche. Mm-hmm. There's a, actually a poster in each one of their shops mm-hmm. that says they have the right to refuse any deer. Mm-hmm. So if they look at it and say, no, nope. it's it's not worth the money that Hunters for the Hungry give gives us mm-hmm. to. To process it or if it's they think it's something wrong with it mm-hmm. that's they good. got the right to to refuse because it if they grind that deer up it could spoil a whole gigantic batch of oh, ground deer oh, if, yeah. one, if one of them is right. got so, tanked. so in most you know our, our processors they've been around the block they they know what's going on and they won't take anything that they wouldn't eat and that's the kind of guys that i want doing our our work those processors are the experts they see more deer and more deer meat and come through and they they know exactly if something is is good or not you know if something should be consumed or not so i think it's good that that little you know um freedom for the processors is in there because that probably makes for a better final product for right. you all I, well. I want I want something that's that I would eat or you would eat or you yeah. know so essentially you feed it, your family yeah treat you know? it like you are taking it home for yourself and your own family to eat. exactly yeah and so yeah. basically what's on the website here I didn't read it. if the temperature is above 40 degrees at the time you harvest deer put in two large ba- you know basically pack the chest cavity with ice but keep the meat cool is essentially what right. you're saying I mean yeah and uh and treat it just like I'm like but you do need to take the deer to them whole you can't debone it or anything like that right right the be- best thing is to do a, a whole deer now we have we do pay by the pound for some of the processors uh we've had some people want to give a i want the back straps you can have the rest and so we kind of make some concessions that way but honestly the whole deer is best yeah mm-hmm. so yeah just that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. well what do you have coming up right now roger oh uh last year uh speaking of the uh coalition of uh hunters for the hungry uh-huh. Uh, Coalition being the other states? The other states. Okay. Uh, Arkansas and Tennessee both have a venison meat stick program. 
And the way it works is, are uh, you familiar with the uh, Blessings in a Backpack program? I'm not. All right. Basically, what that is, is uh, kids who uh, are eligible for a free lunch, they have a, they're able to get a backpack to take home for the weekend mm. that has food mm-hmm. in it. Uh, one of the things that's uh, always lacking is protein. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they might get, you know, canned fruit, canned whatever, mm-hmm. chips, uh, cookies, crackers, whatever, but no protein. So what we've come up with is a protein stick. It's, you know, similar, similar to a Slim Jim. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked with, uh, well, Commissioner Quarles, uh, Department of Agriculture, it's his hunger initiative. Uh, we were there and we were speaking about, hey, we come up we. We, we found this idea of a benefits and meat stick program, but we need some uh, sponsors in order to do it because we got to pay for the processing. Mm-hmm. Now we got to pay to get these made into sticks. Yeah. So we, we had two, uh, two donors, the Kentucky Association of Health Plans and then Kentucky Farm Credit said, hey, we'd love to mm-hmm. be able to sponsor this. So we were able to get a uh, hundred deer donated, uh, and had this made into meat sticks, and were able to take it to Eastern Kentucky, mm-hmm. to uh, down around the Hazard area, Perry County, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, they had lost several schools, and, and uh, every one of the kids qualified for this program, and also to Pulaski County, and uh, we were able to do thirty thousand uh, thirty thousand sticks to Perry County, mm-hmm. fifteen thousand sticks to Pulaski County, and. Uh, it just worked out great. We had a, a processor in uh, a, a Casey County, Shell Walters, that mm. uh, did the sticks for us. <laughs> we actually did a. I had a. I had my grandkids do a. We had a teriyaki, a barbecue, a, a regular, and uh, there was four sticks. Well, they did a taste test. Good friend of mine takes his to Shell Walters. Yeah. I've had these sticks. Oh fat, yeah, especially it, the one with cheese in them. We yeah. fight over those when we're down striping fishing. Yeah, <laughs> well we don't do this. We don't do the cheese, but, <laughs> but the the kids loved the barbecue flavor because it was a little sweeter. Oh, well, that was that was the second. So we had them all made into that, and uh, I mean it just went like crazy. I bet. So we're doing it again this year. We don't. Uh, we're still looking for people to sponsor it, mm-hmm. and that's the way we'll do it. Uh, the what the reason we picked Perry in Pulaski is that's where our sponsors asked for it to be mm-hmm. done. So it's dependent on the sponsor where the counties will do it at. I like so, that. I like how you didn't just, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like addressing a specific need. Okay, well, there's already this program in place, but here's what this program's lacking, and it was lacking the protein. Mm-hmm. You know, so you kind of found a, something that was already in place but that was missing something and that something that it was missing just happened to be something that that's what kentucky hunters for the hungry specializes in right it's protein correct so there's a i like i like the fact that you all were looking for that opportunity and try to fill that gap and uh, those meat sticks are really good right. <laughs> i yeah. have these well, exact ones well, like they're Lisa. great oh. but you know like, like a yeah. slim jim is a grease ball you eat these, you know, you have lean, healthy. Yeah, it's got a little bit of pork rich. fat in it, but yeah, not much. much fat, you but know, nothing but like a slim jim. No, no, uh-uh. no, shiny no. Well, that's what I've, and you, I mean, the wild game meat sticks are becoming more popular. I mean, you can't go to a Seven Eleven or a Speedway without seeing them on the shelf. They'll mm-hmm. have elk and, mm-hmm. and those, of course, aren't actually wild game. Those are coming from you farm know, race. Yeah, yeah, those are, for, but people are more interested in wanting to eat something that is wild game. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like venison, and you see venison on the shelves too. But I mean, that's obviously farm raised as well. So I like what you guys are doing with the free range venison donated by hunters to help out people who need the help. And then you have people who are making financial donations to cover the, the cost and the fees. It's a, it's a really good system. Like if this wasn't in place, if there was no hunters for the hungry, I feel like there would be a huge hole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's just something that should be there to me. It yeah. seems like something that should be available for hunters and in a time of, of inflation at the grocery you know this is very important for a lot of people mm-hmm. you know because there's a lot of people maybe a couple of years ago this didn't sting but now when they go to the grocery store and it's you know Oof. much higher you know having this availability if they're on that border you know mm-hmm. on, of the people who are you know right on the edge this is a good thing for him. The uh, one of our producers here, Tim, he uh, he is a hunter, but he uh, recently went through and did his finances. Like, hey, he looked at his monthly expenses and realized how much money he was spending on beef. You know, and he said, "Man, I've got to start getting some more deer." So he wanted to expand his season. So he went out and got a bow because he's going to start replacing that beef in his diet with with venison, which is healthier anyway. The reason he's eating so much beef is because he, it was high protein i mean he's basically trying to be a health conscious diet but the venison is so much healthier than beef mm-hmm. and it's much more cost efficient if you can get out there and get it in bulk but expanding the season expanding the opportunities uh, it's all around a good thing but hunters for the hungry just seems like it fills so many gaps it allows hunters to take more deer it allows these zone one counties to have more deer taken it allows people who who need some protein to get some protein and all those things it just seems like if it wasn't for hunters for the hungry there would be a huge gap mm-hmm. does that make sense at all what yeah. i'm trying to that's exactly what we do yeah no it's and good why we do it and i've known of how long has hunters for the hungry been around in uh since uh, it was founded by mike allman uh yeah, back in 1980 so it's been in, around a in, long in time. incorporated no 88 and inco- in incorporated in year two, th- 2000 okay and then We've just grown from that. So it's been around as long yeah. as I have, yeah. 88. Yeah. The um, No, and that's probably why it seems like it should be there so much to me because I've never known without it, you know what I mean? It seems like it, since I've been here working at the department, Hunters for the Hungry has been a big partner, mm-hmm. and it's just always been front of mind for me. But I guess that there are a lot of people out there who still haven't used this program. That That's the biggest I just can't believe that they haven't heard about us, and we've been around for so long. I mean, we're in the hunting guide. We were. I've been on radio stations. I've, you know, in print media, and it just people just don't know about us. Or if you it, just take a deer to the processor, I mean, there's signs up, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but word of mouth advertising is really the way to yeah. go. So, I mean, really, that step five you have right here on this page, let everyone know you support us. Mm-hmm. You have that sticker. It's a, a little orange sticker with mm-hmm. a deer in the state of Kentucky, mm-hmm. and it says mm-hmm. donor on it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that. Actually, I have that sticker on my rifle case. Um, I haven't seen those in a while. Are those stickers still? Yeah, they're around? still. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't run a deer and contact us, we'll send you a sticker out. Yeah, I need. I might need to make another donation so I can get a fresh sticker. I, I, I think I can hook you. Well, up. you know, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go through the process. I'm gonna do it right, Roger. Okay. Now, something else I do want to talk about. We've talked a lot about hunters for the hungry, but can't have hunters for the hungry without deer hunting, right? Correct. I wanted to talk about deer hunting a little bit, but <clears throat> my two notes I have written down here. The the first one is white oaks. And I think you probably have the best description of, of how white oaks are working right now. I saw the video on Facebook the other day of your grandson, Silas. So, Yeah, what, what happened was uh, one of uh, Scott, one of our good friends, Scott Kroom, uh, he helped me th- put up a ladder stand at uh, uh, my, grand- my grandson's other papaw's farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was showing Scott around the place, and 
we walked into this grove of chickapin oaks, which is mm-hmm. part of the white oak nice family. Yes, yeah. the first one, display. first one to drop, and we just saw so much deer sign. And Scott goes, "Oh my gosh, this!" He goes, "This is what I look for when I do early season scouting, Roger." He goes, "You can find a deer. You can scoot a deer here." He goes, "I'll bring some uh, climbing sticks and put some uh, hang-on stands up here, and you and Silence can hunt." And I said, "No, dude, I'm 69 years old. You can go up there and climb up there and hunt yeah. with Silas." And uh, I'll I'll be across the field and uh, help you drag deer out. So we put you know put climbing sticks up and got silence all prepped in there and hunted the next day. And uh, the arm of uh, he shot a nice little late pointer. Yeah, it was really it, nice. it's great. In the so, video, it was it was good too. You know, it yeah. came in there and it was just munching those acorns. Yeah, it was eating and all those white. Silas passed on a couple does and a couple uh, small bucks and saw a nice eight that he wanted shot it and the cool part you know scott and rachel have that tracking dog suki yeah and he and silas just loves that dog oh, and yeah. then we'll do a puppy and uh we, the, suki got to track that deer for him and that that kind of was the icing on the cake yeah. so it, it was cool i like suki too yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That little deer dog. yeah that, and that's you know that's I'm, one of the things that we really support i got you know, we got Rachel. We also have Natalie Spalding with uh, tracking with timber. Yeah, and she's part of our. She's one of our directors as well. Mm-hmm. Those tracking dogs are just awesome. Oh, I mean, they're fun to watch. Too. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, I, I, uh, Suki does it. My yeah, cue when she comes in to visit. She sniffs every corner to see. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how my beagle. I got a beagle, and yeah. of course, any of those scent hounds, they're just yeah. so nose driven. But yeah. Suki, she gets after them. You know, she really wants that deer. Yeah, um, I love watching her. It's just it's it's a hoot. So and you know the tracking dogs are becoming more and more popular. You know I, I think they're they're popping up a little bit of everywhere. I've seen I've noticed more the past three years than I had noticed my entire life previous to that. Yeah, there's, well, there's a website out there uh, for them and uh, uh, an app for the you know Kentucky uh, blood blood UB U- United Blood Trackers of America. Rachel, UB, uh, yeah. not uh, Natalie sent it to me. So. Yeah. Well, essentially, they're uh, great, um, and I enjoy watching them work. But the White Oaks, you know, that's kind of yeah. where I was going. And you had the best recent White Oak story from your grandson, Silas, basically right. walking in there, finding those those White Oaks with acorns hitting the ground, and just said, this is the spot. And that's how it's working right now. Yeah. I've been hunting. I've got one White Oak tree that's dropping acorns. And so I've been trying to get near it lately, and it's like I watch deer come out in the field, and then at about – half an hour before dark they all just start making the turn to head towards <clears throat> that direction and that's about where they all want to end up at mm-hmm. and <clears throat> if somebody doesn't i mean there's some great apps you can i naturalist there's good apps where you can just download on your phone and take a picture of a leaf and it'll tell you what type of tree that is so if you if you're not really familiar your white oaks versus your red oaks or but essentially if you can tell what an oak tree is the white oaks have more of a rounded mm-hmm. rounded lobe yeah mm-hmm. you know, rounded lobes on the uh on the leaves and the the red oaks, which aren't going to be as sharper, good. Yeah, 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 they're like a point. And there are got a lot of red oaks are, around my house. There are bigger, bigger acre to the red oaks. Yeah, because I've I've seen some monsters yeah. on my walks. Yeah, yeah. Some some of them are like pin oak is a species of red oak, and they're tiny. So yeah, I've got I've yeah. got a many. They're like ball bearings. I've yeah. got a pin oak that would make in my neighbor's yard. It's bigger than us. The circumference of us here oh, sitting. Wow. It's a monster. I love and those it, big oaks. And then it, I've got it's. A progeny in my yard and it's grown like now it's that big around and just but they are they're like little ball bearings yeah, yeah. but birds of them so do squirrels yeah. so. you always hear that october lull uh-huh. but but mm-hmm. what that lull is is really yep 
October, the, I've got a lot the, to eat. Yeah, I got a lot to eat, and I'm at the, I'm on the, I'm at that oak tree. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's you got to find the oak tree. So deer deer Sorry. are moving right now. Yeah. I can I can see them. I mean, the activity is there, and I've been seeing young bucks uh, sparring. Um, every hunt I've been on recently, if I've seen two small bucks, like two two and a half year old one and a half, they have put the horns together. So I haven't really seen big bucks doing it, but I can tell that it's starting to starting to happen that buck i shot same day silent shot his was he was out in the field sparring with a really? deer yeah now see i love yeah. that yeah i love that so my two tips if i was going to say like if you're deer hunting right now these are things to consider white oaks because mm-hmm. as roger said the october lull is not a lull it's just all those acorns are on the ground and that, like chili yeah. well those yeah. bucks i mean why would they be uh, they just laying around all day under an oak tree and acorns might mosey around a little bit but they just aren't moving as much mm-hmm. you know if you're watching football and somebody brings yeah. you like nachos and yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the sandwich yeah you ain't gonna get off the couch so, yeah. so your corn pile's not working yeah, well, if you're so. hunting corn or soybeans i mean deer are still probably going to be coming through and getting that diversity but if you got white oaks that's that's where the deer are most likely going to be i mean that's where you should be looking at and then my other thing is i would not hesitate at all right now to try some light rattling or some grunting mm-hmm. i'm not saying i get out there and make a big scene you know and try to break my rattle antlers in half hitting them so hard but what I've been seeing is one and a half, two and a half year old deer getting out there doing some light sparring. It's not like they're kicking up dust and making a, a, a putting on a show. But you know, and those tines are tickling a little bit, and I know those bigger bucks are hearing them. And I've seen a few nice bucks come out in the field and just kind of make an appearance after those young bucks have been out there sparring. And I don't really think the big bucks are coming out there because they want to join in. I think it's more of like a don't forget I'm over here. You know, you guys can do your stuff right now, but just remember that i'm here and you aren't the top dog so that's kind of where i think we're at so set up on white oaks if you got them and don't be afraid to do some grunting or rattling right around uh dusk or dawn you know that that'd be my two cents and i love rattling and grunting in deer it's like you know it's it's not turkey hunting and it's not elk hunting because they aren't necessarily talking back to you like that but it's still pretty action-packed if you when I, as soon as i rattle that next 15 or 20 minutes i'm like you know expecting something yeah which is the fun part so and usually something doesn't happen but every now and then it does and when it does that, it's all the payoff right there yeah. what else you got for us roger new season's coming up this weekend yeah, that's the next thing i've read down so far it's, it's hard for us to tell because we really so don't have an online mechanism to how was it, last year Oh, well, last year's best year we ever had, okay. 2,315, I believe. 2,315 deer last year? How many meals does that make? Dude, let me get my glasses on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's, it's, you know, it's four servings per pound. That's USDA standards. Okay. okay. So a quarter pound. Yeah. Okay. So, in an average deer. 40 pounds. Well, 35 to 40 pounds is what we we average as far as, you know, what, what they yield. Yeah. Yeah. Now, remember the first time you interviewed me? Hmm. There's 900 deer, and I told you that I was going to double that, and you said that's pretty aggressive. I don't know if you could do that. He doubled it, Lee. Yeah, yeah, and I doubled, and yeah. I doubled that the first, second year. Yeah, yeah doubled so it. One. Yeah. Let so. me do a little math that, here. That was a, for a magazine piece, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. Yeah. 2,317. Yeah. And that, that equa- uh, equates to 376,216 individual meal servings. That is. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. What was your number you got? 2,316 deer makes the equivalent of 376,216 individual meal servings. That so is. just just shy of 400,000 is where mm-hmm. you're at. Is that, do you have a goal for this year? 
Well, I, I want to increase it every year. Oh, you want <laughs> so the 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 goal is growth. Yeah, the, every single year. I've got the money. I can pay for the processing. I just need hunters to bring the deer. So that's right. where, that's what the bottleneck is right now. It's, it's the bottleneck. Right, right now, it was funding. I'm good with funding. I need deer. Okay, so that that that's exactly what I needed to know. Honestly, that should have been the question off the top. Is well, that that is the bottleneck? So you need hunters to bring you deer. Right. All right. And, well, and earlier the better, so I don't inundate my processors at during gun season. Well, yeah, and they get inundated already. Yeah. During gun season, yeah. I'll be honest with you, we've got a crew out in the field trying to get a deer for hunters for the hunger right now. Uh, probably not at this moment because it's midday. But yeah. And blue birdie is all get out. Yeah. yeah. Chat, but this time of year, blue birdie. I'm. I mean. As soon as that sun starts getting low on the horizon line, those shadows get long. I mean, it's it's game on. Yeah. I'll be out there. I can't wait tonight. Don't don't try to kill my hunt today, Lee. Tell me it's a blue birdie. <laughs> well, I just during the blue birdie part of the blue birdie day, it's usually yeah fishing slow and so is not. Yeah. Well, if you were a deer, what'd you be doing right now? I'd be chilling. Yeah, just laying up out there chewing some cud. Yeah, and yeah. you know leaves mm-hmm. are falling, so I don't probably don't want to make a lot yeah. of noise and don't want to be real visible since it's yeah. bright and shimmery. Yeah. But also, I need some sponsors for uh, meat sticks too. Meat sticks, sponsors. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. I feel pretty confident this podcast is going to get you a couple of deer donated. If no. it got you a meat stick sponsor, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Heck that'd yeah. be yeah. awesome. But, uh, those snack sticks, they are yeah. great. The foundation stepped up. They're sponsoring it this year. Kentucky Farm Credit is sponsoring it this year, and Kentucky Gun Co. The the Elk Fest, uh, they did a great job with uh, starting uh, getting funding and. and taking it out to uh people like us to uh uh use the funding from it It was amazing what patrick hayden did there i guess that they're probably not at this point in time isn't really a market for this in the elk world out east is there we we've had one or two elk donated but it's that it's few and far between that was lucky yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so your processors probably don't charge the same rate for an elk do they well, it's the same. Well, just more per pound. More pound. <laughs> yeah. Say so those elk, man. Our our guys just recently went on an elk hunt out east. I mean, they got back last Monday, so about a week ago they got back, and the footage it was great. I mean, uh, unreal. I wish I was there. I'm jealous, but I mean, those elk are hitting the ground right now out in eastern Kentucky. Actually, when is week two ends tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So uh, almost done with with bull season for the year. Yeah. But I was curious about that. If you know. I got a feeling that most people probably aren't looking to donate their elk because it's such no. a once in a once in a lifetime. Yeah, and, and elk is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but people just don't yeah. realize. I've covered quite a few of the elk hunts, and I remember yeah. pulling up with with yeah. uh, Dan Crank. Yeah, on some people, and they were all just slunched, uh, slouched over, and just like sweat just pouring off of them. We're like, fellas, are you okay? He's like. We can't get this damn thing in the truck. <laughs> yeah, six by six, humongous. Oh, oh, oh. We helped him, and Dan, we Dan kind of had a little system, and we helped him. We finally got it up in there. Those guys were like, "Thank God you showed up." Cause yeah. then, man, that that truck rode like a Cadillac. Well, I was lucky. Was. I was lucky enough to get a, a cow elk in two thousand eight, and we there took six of us to get it up up that strip pit. I mean, it was. Really, it was a job. Part of the thing you got to think about when you're taking a shot on an elk isn't just uh, is this a good broadside shot? Do I have a good? You got to think about where that elk is and where it's yeah. going. You don't want it to, if it yeah. starts tumbling in that country. Yeah. Sometimes it can no, be a it, long ways down. I've hunted Colorado and I've hunted Eastern Kentucky, and that Eastern Kentucky's no, it's it's just difficult. Yeah, if sometimes if not more the way the 
those drip pits are. I think that it can be. You got the timber yeah. in eastern Kentucky. I yeah. know out in Colorado, you probably got some brush too. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it's uh, it's fun hunting, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that final segment turns out. Our producer Cody in here is editing it right now, so that'll be coming up. But now I did get. I've eaten elk one time. Obviously, Roger here was lucky enough to get a, a cow tag at one point. So you've had elk many times, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And the first elk hunt I ever covered for the TV show was back in 2017. And our hunter, um, great guy, Moose, he wanted to take the heart home. His uh, his wife wanted to cook to tr- to prepare the heart. So when we field dressed his elk, he had a special cooler, like one of those 12 can little mm-hmm. Coleman coolers. And he took the heart out and put it in there. And we put it in the back of the truck and we went back to the hotel and everybody went their separate ways the next day. And then I got a phone call and he said, I left that heart in the back of your truck. Oh. Yeah. So I said, well, man, do you want me to get it to you? And he said, no, I'll tell you what, if you'll use it, you just have it. So I was able to, I took that elk heart home. And that was the one time I've had elk that wasn't like bought somewhere. Just uh, Eastern Kentucky elk, all I've ever had is a heart. But it was good. Uh, have you ever eaten uh, or, uh, organ meat in the heart? Yeah, I've done heart, yeah. I, deer heart. I started doing it uh, last several years. And uh, not a Hank Snow's recipe, Hank Shaw's recipes. What's that recipe like? Uh, basically, it's just slicing it, slicing it, and frying it in butter, basically. But yeah. it's it's pretty good. It is with good. onion. Yeah, people are throwing away a great piece of meat right it there. It is. It's good. It's got a little irony taste to it, but it's not it's not bad. It's like liver, basically. Yeah, and I did try the liver last year for the first time. I want to do more of that. Um, I and I I think I just need more experience with it. The one I understand, liver needs to be cooked fresh, needs to be eaten hot. Um, basically off pain. Don't want to let it sit around one place or the other too much. So I'm mm-hmm. going to try that again this year. I didn't on the first deer I shot this year, that doe, because um, it was a hard quartering shot. And, you know, the shot was a little bit back, so I didn't really want to mess with uh, it. The angle it went in, the right. entrance was back. It was a perfect shot. But I uh, don't mess with uh, internal organs on gut shot deer a lot. I yeah. like to use the gutless method when I clean them, and that way I don't even break oh, open the, yeah. the internals Good. there. Yeah, learning that honestly was one of the best things for me as a deer hunter ever the gutless method mm-hmm. so i quit field dressing the deer and just get you know cut the inner loins out right there along the spine and yeah i mean that made things so much easier yeah my, that's the way my son does it i'm still old school <laughs> well with me it's hard yeah because I, I, I can't get a vehicle back there you know yeah i drive a two-wheel drive jeep you know i have to get good fuel mileage as much as i drive every day so it's not like i can go beat around the back of the property so most of the time i'm taking the deer out in pieces um instead of hanging it up or something like that somewhere so the gutless method's great if somebody wanted to know how to do that i would send them to our youtube we did a great video chad demonstrated it i think it's a 16 minute long video um you just type in kentucky field deer processing and it'll pop up but you don't need to know how to do that if you're doing the hunters for the hunger. You just simply field dress it and throw it in the back of the truck and take it to the processor. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the youth season is coming up this weekend. Like you said, that's October 14th and 15th. And then right after that, the next weekend, we have early muzzleloader season, which is the 21st and 22nd. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, literally, to me, youth season and early muzzleloader season are probably the best deer hunting opportunities for the mm-hmm. masses. You know, if you can get yourself out there because all the deer are pretty much still on the landscape. Your your neighbor probably hadn't shot the big one yet. All right. And uh, they're active, and you get to get out there when it's a beautiful, beautiful time of year. Leaves are changing, and temperatures are comfortable. You're not freezing yet. And what a better way to get a kid involved 
with not only with hunting yeah. but doing charity oh yeah hey look look, look at what you're doing you're oh, donating yeah. that deer and you're feeding people you need and to, we'll, yeah. th- th- those kids i mean they they gravitate towards you that. know what that is a great point get the kids a sticker you know what I mean? Yeah. They let the kid have the sticker, slap it on, uh, slap it on something in his room, or yeah, you or know, on his tracker yeah. keeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> Little something to let him know that he did something good there. Not yeah. only you know by harvesting a deer and taking a deer, but also by making the donation. Yeah, we had a booth set up at uh, the NAS uh, uh, here in Louisville. Yeah. Uh, several years ago and had a little girl walk up to us and said i donated my first deer to you all that's good and it's just it makes you feel like oh wow thank you you gave her a sticker and just just, she was so proud oh she was proud yeah a second ago i said him i was saying you see the him no it's it's him or her because i'm telling you the number of of young girls out i was at the speedway in wadi two mornings ago and this little girl was standing there with her dad in line in front of me and she had on a camo sweatshirt and an orange hat and i just you know, oh, I like your sweatshirt. And uh, I said, are you ready for you season next weekend? And she, oh, yeah, I can't wait. And, and, she, and her dad said she's been out squirrel hunting this morning. So yeah. she's been out there getting after them. And, 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 you know, I love seeing kids like that out there. I'm, I'm glad, too. You know, you season is one of my favorite weekends of the year just because the new hunters get to go out there and mm-hmm. have it to themselves and have some fun. And it is, you know, what's the weather for this weekend? I haven't even looked. But if it's I, anything like it's been. Uh, potential rain on saturday and then we're gonna have a major cold front on sunday it's going to be the highs going to be in the 50s early next week well that's about like it's been yeah. i mean because it has been 60 60 yeah. 60 lately lows have been 38 39 i'm hoping we get a good frost those mosquitoes and those ticks. yes and yeah. them to oblivion the noceums the noceums yeah. have They've been eating me alive this year yeah. it's been worse this year for me with the noceums me too. i will say though the noceums are the ones that spread ehd and we have not had a bad year for EHD whatsoever. Um, I, I've, there's been some reports, but they're very isolated and nothing like we've seen in big outbreak years. So, Which is surprising with this drought. But, I know. Yeah. You know, we, we had a drought, but it was like, you know, always just a little bit borderline, I feel like. As soon as it was starting to get real bad, I feel like we'd get a little bit of rain. Mm-hmm. And some of the rain was spotty, too. You know, like uh, two weeks ago, I was down at Lake Cumberland, and they got four inches of rain down there down at Lake Cumberland and there was nothing that dropped on the bluegrass region. It was like a quarter of an inch mm-hmm. here. So, you know, some areas have, have been better than others as far as the weather goes. But that being said, we're pretty much out of the weeds on EHD at this point. You know, now that we're getting into the cooler weather, a good frost would definitely get us out of the weeds, but it's not been a bad year. I think there've been a few inquiries on that. I don't have the exact numbers, but it's not been a 2017 or, or what, you know, whatever those big years were, maybe 2013 was a big one somewhere mm-hmm. in there. I can't remember, but been a good deer, good year all around as far as the deer stuff goes. I think we had record harvest uh, in September, Lee. Do you remember? No, I think so. I yeah. don't remember. Off I saw that press release come out, but great mm-hmm. deer harvest. Um, I had those emails sent out. Great deer harvest, great weather so far. Not a big EHD issue, and Kentucky Hunters for the Hungry has got more processors on board and all the funding they need to take all the deer they want, right? Yep. Right. So, good deal. So basically, if you take all those things and you put them together, it is it's perfect to deer hunt out right now. Go hunt some white oaks. Do some run, grunting and rattling if you if you aren't seeing a lot of deer activity, you might be able to get something to move your way and donate deer to hunters for the hungry because they are poised and waiting right now to take them. And we've got then hunger is more prevalent right now than any time we've yeah, I can no. is I it? can think of. Tell me about that. Because that's something I'm not in the loop on. Well, I don't. Just a lot of people who, you know, they're on the edge with the inflation. Say they were on the edge. Now they're kind of 
Yeah, inflation and, and, yeah. is very, it's, very real. It's, uh, you know. you, I get calls daily, people looking for deer meat. Yeah. Hmm. Not only health-wise, but also because of economic times. Do you know so. anything about the health? Can you or can you break that down for us? As far as uh, I mean, deer meat is healthier than pretty much any. I mean, if you look at elk, it's 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 not. But if you look at what you can buy from the store, pork, beef, chicken, I mean, deer meat is healthier. It's compared to all of them, deer meat is you know healthier than all of it. Higher in protein, lower in calories, lower in saturated fat, exactly. Less lower in. And a lot of people, uh, their doctors say you need to you need to eat deer. Yeah. It's not just that. It's higher in vitamins and minerals that your exactly. body needs, too. Iron. Um, and the the reason being, what I've heard before, at least, is the very diet of deer. You know, those mm. a lot of beef cattle are eating corn or mm. eating grain. Or or whatever uh, drugs they put in. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so. but the deer, I mean, they literally are eating acorns, eating corn, eating soybeans, eating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wheat, eating. I, I, right now I'm mentioning a bunch of things that are planted and grown, but as far as the berries and the, the forage yeah, that they have in the woods. Grasses. And, yeah, the yeah. diet's just so much more varied. You are what you eat that they are much more so varied. So they're not getting chemicals. Yeah. yeah. So. You get a really good, healthy meat there. I've, I've looked up the nutrition facts. I don't want to state it wrong, but I'm wanting to say it's like 60% of the calories of beef and 140% the protein or, or yeah. something like that. You know, yeah. just the ratio is, is way off. And I think that, you know, my fiance, Kristen, she, she's gotten on a health kick the past two years and venison has been a big part of that for her. Mm-hmm. She loves venison. We had venison last night. And that's why she needs to get out Makes and start chili. getting her own deer. <laughs> when I see her, I'll say that to her. You should. <laughs> now, last night it was funny. Um, I did sweet potatoes and venison steaks and stuff. And when I was getting, uh oh, Lee, that's your microphone. Yep. When I was getting ready to start oh. cooking, she told me, she said, hey, you were out of sweet potatoes, but that's okay. I'll, I'll let you have one of mine tonight. <laughs> Like she was being so nice to let me have a sweet potato. And I said, well, it turns out you were out of venison. So, <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm going to be lucky. And you got to get on it. Uh, I'm going to be nice. So if she if she keeps on talking like that, she might have to get out there and get her own one day soon. So we're trying. You know, it's funny. You said 2017 was the first elk hunt you covered. first elk hunt I covered was the first elk hunt. <laughs> what was that, 2001 or something? Yes. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. yeah, I'd been out there. I'd been out there after him one time. A buddy of mine got an elk tag, late season elk tag, and me and him did a DIY hunt out on a coal mine. And we had never been out there before, neither one of us. And uh, we saw horses. <laughs> That's all we saw. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, that was fun, too. It was a fun experience. But, uh you know, in recent years, getting to cover the elk hunt has been one of my favorite things I've done with the, with work. Oh, I, we were out there with my my, my first granddaughter, uh, Haley. We were able to, was Karen Alex, Lexi at the time, yeah. Karen Walter now, and uh, we got to do a, a tour of the strip pits. Mm-hmm. And uh, one that was beat, that was reclaimed, and then one with, uh, they, they were just an act of mine. And what they have done with it was amazing. And I've seen more deer, turkey, heard more quail out yeah. there than I did in western Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the it was quail is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. The rabbit, too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of good rabbit and quail habitat. And, you know, that's something people don't realize is that a lot of that is public hunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can literally go out there and just rabbit or quail hunt. You get on the website mm-hmm. and look at the Find a Place to Hunt, the public lands yeah. page. And there is more public land in eastern Kentucky that is reclaimed coal mine that has habitat work done on it. That Cerisa Lespedisa, there's a lot of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. But the quail and the rabbits, 
and not grouse. I flush grouse out there when mm-hmm. I'm walking through the timber, and that scares the fire out of me because I'm oh from the, yeah. the bluegrass region. We don't have grouse. No. You know, so I'm walking through the woods, and all of a sudden I flush 15 grouse. I mean, it makes my heart skip a beat for a second there, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. up there. It's as quiet as can be. There's not a person. Mm-hmm. Or I haven't heard a person talk in two days sometimes, you know, yeah. another mm-hmm. person's voice. And then all of a sudden, poof, it's kind of kind of yeah, makes they, you jump. Yeah. In Eastern Kentucky, the people, the yeah. land, everything is just, it, I, I love it out there. Well, I love it. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to be going soon. Uh, two weeks. What is today? The 10th, 20, 27th, I'm going to go bear hunting. Um, archery bear seasons that weekend. So that's what I'm really looking forward to right now. Like I'm focused on deer and I'm living and dying deer right now. But here in about two weeks, I'm going to be really excited to go eastern kentucky and i don't have any real hope of getting a bear you know i mean i might get one but really it's the experience i just want to go out there and hike around and be by myself for a couple of days mm-hmm. you know live out of a tent out of a backpack and yeah not see anybody you know <laughs> it's not that i don't like people it's just that sometimes it's good not to see gosh anybody. sometimes it's nice to i mean i'm looking forward to you know i'm going to arkansas but sometimes having the drive just by yourself you can turn on the music as loud as you want you can hear what you want you yeah. don't have to talk Nice. That's, I mean, that, I enjoy that almost. You can even sing. Yeah, People no, you care. can sing, and, and no one's going to be going, God, will you shut up? <laughs> that reminds me. <laughs> the other day I saw, we were talking about inflation and stuff. The other day I saw a funny one of those uh, memes on the internet. It was um, back when gas was $1.65, I used to drive around to clear my head. And they said, now all those thoughts are still with me. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that, you saying that reminds that, me. That, that's, it's that's true, man. True. I remember going on drives. Like when I first got my license and when I was in college, man, I'd just go cruise around. Bar sense, all you had to do, man, we'd ride that's around. That's all we did. When I was growing up, we'd ride around. Was the quarter, if, then. If there, <laughs> you know, UK basketball games on, we'd put that on K. Wood yeah. Lefford on the radio and Ralph and yeah. cruise around. I used to, when I was at EKU in Madison County, I'd just drive out. Poozy Ridge oh, sometimes. Oh, me too. Well, my, my newspaper app was on Poozy Ridge yeah. when I was in graduate school. I like driving uh, Poozy, <laughs> beautiful. Poozy Ridge and Red House Road. Yeah, um, yeah I like Red House. Because Red House, you're way up on top. So you can, if you get up there during the sunset or something, you can see way off. And so I, I used to drive around. That just part to, of Madison County looks like Ireland almost sometimes. Red House Road. It's does. pretty up Green there. Hills, and it's beautiful. Yeah, going up there towards the uh, Kentucky River. Mm-hmm. I like to fish out there, too. That's a good spot. But, you know, I, I thought it was funny because I really do remember just driving around to, just to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we did too. Drive around out, and, out by Poozie and out by Million and Jigwater Road and all through there. And <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if people still do that, though, like the kids. You know? I don't know. I, I know I'm getting older, Roger, because I'm starting to yeah. wonder, wonder if the kids are doing stuff these <laughs> yeah. days. You know, what are the younger younger folks up to? But so. a lot of times we were out there looking for new spots to fish on Silver Creek or Paint Lick. Yeah. That's, that was a lot of our cruise. Yeah. Or Otter Creek. Don't forget yeah. old Otter out there. I need to go back to Madison County and do some fishing. Yeah. Are you going to do any stream fishing before the year's over, Roger? That bring Ralph told me to get with you. Okay. <laughs> and I said, well, we need what we need rain first. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know that guy. He's he said he wanted to put it off to until it wasn't hot, but now we don't have any rain. I know. Don't have water. So. Yeah. Well, you guys, uh, I donated like a planning. Russell Creek float. Oh, Russell Creek yeah. float. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. I mean, I, you know, I'm glad you reminded me of that. That has completely slipped my mind. Russell yeah. Creek is one that you just did a Blue Water Trails on, mm-hmm. and we did a we did a shoot for the show that aired this past summer. Mm-hmm. I floated it one time this summer, and I almost think Russell Creek is one where you need more rain. Yeah. Um, when I went and floated Russell Creek, the reason I did Russell Creek is because the green was blown out from rain, um, and Russell Creek was still flowing at a good level. So I think it's one that actually could use mm-hmm. more rain than what we would typically need to get 
a, another creek going. And it might be kind of a flashy creek. It is. Yeah. It flashes, and then it flows out really quick, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of good fishing opportunities right now. I mean, there's a ton of them. I would say that the Cave Run Lake muskie or mm-hmm. maybe any muskie would be good. Mm-hmm. Hybrids and the striped bass should be. I'm sure it's all If we had out. rain in the creek, oh, October is a great yeah. month to stream fish. Yeah. I do think it's a little different in October, though. Um, like, I feel like your, your typical time, a lot of people think fishing early and late, right? Mm-hmm. No, I think it's better in the middle of the day. And I think that's especially true in October. Mm-hmm. I think in October, you're early and late. Your sunset, your sunrise hours are even less productive than they might have been in september or august or july so when you got some fins being uh stocked too mm-hmm. there's a lot of trout stocking going on right now oh yeah if you have a decent farm pond fall yeah. is, a lot of people don't fish farm ponds in fall fall is a great time to yeah. fish it's just always so i want to be fishing so bad but as soon as deer season starts it's like man i for some reason i just can't do much else until i get the buck and once i get the buck it's like my life opens back up mm-hmm. it's this huge weight over my head <laughs> every year with the way i describe it it doesn't sound fun at all but it's like literally what i live for you know this time of year is trying it's a but huge thing every year. Uh, opposite of that, like I just shot my buck. Mm-hmm. Now you're wishing now, you now what do I do? I, I talked to uh, the guy that uh, farms my land. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I saw the biggest buck of my life mm-hmm. the other day. He goes, I was bush hogging some strips and I jumped this big buck. And I, yeah. I'm like, darn, I don't even have a tag now. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. But I will tell you, the thing I've done in the past is. Uh, if I get that buck early, like last year was the earliest I've ever gotten a buck. It was September 30th. So I still had all of October and November. I kind of look at, you know, I still had the prime deer hunt in front of me. So I went to Fort Knox uh, last year. And I know you know some people that know Fort Knox. Oh, so, yeah, very well. Yeah. yeah so I've hunted it quite a bit. Fort Knox is a fun opportunity, and you can get a bonus buck tag. It's not yeah. a bonus buck tag. It's a separate tag mm-hmm. from your state. So you can take another buck. Or um, there's some fun hunting right across the the state borders in uh, Tennessee or Indiana or, or Ohio. There's mm-hmm. some, some good hunting not too far away. And you can do the same thing that their state's hunters do with ours, mm-hmm. you know, is come down. And if if our season opens earlier, their diehard deer hunters might come down and hunt mm-hmm. here while they're waiting for Indiana's to open on October the 1st, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if somebody tags out early, go across the river and, and hunt their land, you know. Yeah. And it's fun just chasing bucks around. I've never taken a public land buck. You know, I've done it. I've tried for five years. I've never taken one, but I've had fun doing it every time. So I've, I've had them off Knox and a few other really? WMAs, but it's been a while. I, I, so. I messed up on one at Knox last year. I know I told that story on the podcast, but a big, big deer at public land. I went in there and I, same thing I was talking about, rattling and grunting. It was early season and it was a downpour. It was November the 6th or 7th and it was raining and it was cold. So nobody else was there. I was the only person who was willing to go out there and just get soaked. And uh, I rattled, and I had a nice eight-pointer. I mean, probably 135-inch eight, which is a good eight, come in, and he hung up just out of range, and he went into some brush, and I slowly slipped up there. And I made it within 20 yards of him, and I had my bow at full draw, but I could only see him from the neck up. He was with a, a doe, and he did not want to leave that doe. So I never got a shot. I just could see basically that white patch on his neck up, and he was 20 yards so after he bounded off and I let my bow down, I was feeling kind of like, darn it, you know, like I, I messed that up. I, so I walked up this hill only 150 yards or so away, and I just grunted twice, and I sat there. And then all of a sudden, probably 45 seconds later, I heard a twig break, and I looked behind me, and there was a 10-pointer with a kicker, and he was just standing there at 20 yards just staring straight through my soul. Then I'd never picked up my bow and put an arrow in it. 
you know what I mean? I had walked up that hill and I was just feeling discouraged and I'd grunted twice and I wasn't really going through the motion or I was just going through the motions and I never knocked an arrow. And so I had this big, huge public land buck standing there staring at me at 20 yards and I had a unloaded bow and I did not get that deer. So that being said, I'm not going to get discouraged when the first buck doesn't work out this year. I'm going to keep yeah. on hunting hard. But then I've always got does to shoot. And yeah. Donate. So. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah. You know, so. typically, I typically I take six to eight deer a year. Um, last year it was six. I've ended up with two deer tags. I bought bonus tags and then spent my last three days of season not being able to film. So I ate two tags last year, but six to eight, right? Mm -hmm. The average hunter only kills, I mean, it's one deer. It's one. like, yep. it might even be a decimal number. It might be like yeah, point, point like eight or yeah. over the average, it's less than one deer. Yeah. And the average hunter is looking for a buck. And that's why our buck to doe harvest ratio, which isn't bad compared to other states. It's pretty close to 50, 50, but it's more like. 53% male, 43% female, right? If really, we need that number to be 50-50 or more than more does. Mm -hmm. Because like in Zone 1 counties, I mean, the does are the ones that's driving the population. If you've got too many deer, it's a doe problem, you know? Because the bucks aren't putting new ones on the ground. It mm -hmm. only takes one buck, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I, we, I started doing, and I think it's kind of fun, is it's kind of method hunting. Mm -hmm. I'll get one with a bow, one with a crossbow, one with a muzzleloader, you know, one with a rifle. Yeah, That's kind of my goal for the season. You ought to add a pistol to the mix. You ever thought about it? I've got one. I've Thompson Contender and a thirty thirty. Have but, you ever uh, tried it? I've I've taken it out there. I have not had an opportunity. Yeah, That's how I am. I've I've always thought that it would be nice. To, I never have harvested a deer with a pistol. And I've gone hunting with one several times, and I've had deer. I just never have thought I had the shot, you know, because I want to be sure. Um, yeah. And I'm, it needs to be a pretty, pretty confident shot. So I, that's just something I think is interesting. It is fun pistol hunting, though, isn't it? Yeah. Just carrying a, I mean, you don't have a whole lot to carry. Well, that's, that's, that's how I squirrel hunt. With a pistol? With a, with a 410 pistol. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, those I've judges done. or something like that? No, it's a Thompson contender. Okay. Yeah. A little longer barrel, a little yeah. more range. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, those judges, they're more of a snub nose. Yeah, yeah. this here's a 14-inch barrel, something like that. Oof. Yeah. yeah, I've seen those contenders. Yeah. They make those pistols in 270, 30-odd six. Yeah, I've got, one, I've got a 30-30 barrel for this one. How's that thing feel when you pull the trigger? Not bad. My brother really? had a 270 one. I think really? he sold all his. Yeah. Gosh. That would, I mean, it just seems to me that that These would. used to be really popular. You don't mm -hmm. see a lot of them. No, you don't. I remember watching them hunt with them on TV when I was yeah. a kid. Um, maybe, you know, I say a kid, probably 13, 14, maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. I'd see them hunt with those Thompson contenders. I mean, they're essentially a rifle without a, with a half the barrel and no stock. I mean, yeah. a single shot, breech loading, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be interested in that. I've always just taken a revolver with me, but yeah. it's something I, I would, I've, you talked about the method hunting. I've never taken a deer with a crossbow. I've never taken a deer with a slug gun and never a, a pistol. Only rifle, vertical archery, and uh, muzzleloader. Yeah. So I need to check some more of those boxes, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pistol's probably the one I'm working the hardest on. I'll, I'll try to check that box this year. Really? What else you got for us, Lee? Anything? Well, I've, I've used up all my stuff. All so your I'm, stuff? I, well, I made. Uh, how was last year? I'm glad I've got that. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm glad you asked that because, man, I can't believe I forgot it. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the goal of the organization and how do you donate a deer and how has this year went so far. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm good. I'm The main thing that I'm really glad we we got out of the – that we got to. Thank 
thank God that Roger led us there because I never thought to ask it was what is the main bottleneck right now? And right now, I'm glad to know that <clears throat> it's just needing people to donate their deer is really what the ask is at this moment. That and then sponsors for the meat sticks. The meat mm-hmm. sticks would mm-hmm. be would be what your number one and number two are, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can help out with that. I mean, surely we can get some deer donated, right? Because mm-hmm. it just makes so much sense. We kind of went over that earlier, why it helps, who it benefits, and how it's beneficial for all those groups. And it's the hunters is one person that it benefits. So take advantage of that benefit that is out there for you and donate some deer, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically, just in, in recap, kyhuntersforthehungry.info. Is that right? That's correct. Because that was just off the top of my head, so I want to make sure. And there you have tabs that you know tell you how to donate a deer, which is very simple. You can just breeze through that one time, and you pretty much have it covered. And you want deer that is good for consumption, so treat it like you would treat a deer you were taking home to your own family. Just drop it off at the processor, telecheck, confirmation number, and then... Um, the second tab on the website was find a processor. Mm-hmm. So you can get on there, see the full list. You can see the map. You can find one close to you. You can see if they have 24 hour drop off, you can get their phone number, their email address, all the information you can need about the processors is there. And you can get it off your phone. Oh yeah. You don't have to call me. Yeah. That happens a lot. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Yeah. You, you but the, it's, it's right there on, right there on the website and you can yeah. access it with your phone. No, it's really easy to look up and there's pretty much processors around every major population area. The one, um, exclusion being the Owensboro area. And that's an area that you're looking for processors in. Correct. So if somebody has a, has a little bit of info about that, maybe give you a call or get in touch with you mm-hmm. about the processors. I think, I mean, that pretty well covers it. I'm glad you came on today with us, Roger. I am going to donate a deer myself this year. Um, I'm probably, just to be honest with you, going to get my buck first. That's fine. That could happen today, though. It probably won't, but it could. Well, I just want to let you know, Easton's got you beat. Yeah, I know. He's he's donated a bunch already. Easton? Yeah. Yeah, and he's got that buck, too. Did you see the buck he he got? I have not. Oh, so we're talking to Easton Copley right now. He's an aquatic ad. He works for the department. He teaches the learn to fish classes essentially teacher's tackle box i can cook um and he got a deer uh probably the first week of season that went 187 mm-hmm. it was a monster you know one it was close to 100 now he and the thing was he was showing me trail cam pictures of it before season and i was like man you have got a 180 inch deer here now i told him i was like that is 180 it is huge and he was like oh i think it's probably 160. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you're talking yourself down right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that deer, Easton, is 180 inches. And he was trying to be too logical, you know, mm-hmm. trying to do. But when he, he got it and he took it to Kentucky Gun Company and they scored it because he was in a contest there. And it was 187 is what he got. Wow. And then I know he's been taking does, the same landowner who lets him. Yeah. The, the whole reason he has permission to hunt is to take does, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it works for me on a property, too, is. It's the farmer. He wants the does taken, so that's why I take six to eight a year. And I just have, like I said, a little four-square-foot or six-square-foot chest freezer, so I don't have enough room for all those deer. So I will either be eating them quickly or coming coming and dropping one off probably at CNJ or Kinsley Meats, now that I know that's right down the road from my house, and mm-hmm. they, they take them. So yeah. I might, I might, I might do that this year, but I promise you, Roger, I am, I personally am going to donate a deer this year and we are personally going to donate one, uh, from, from the TV show. Chad's going to donate one. Too. Great. I'll That's hold great. you to it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, good deal. Please do, because I promise you, I will. And I'll get you a sticker. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I do need. A, I do need a sticker. I do need a new sticker. But I'll make my donation first. That way, it's all fair. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Lee. Oh, thank all you right, all. I appreciate all y'all do for us. Yeah, yeah no problem. And everybody, I hope you enjoy this weather and get out there and and just. I went squirrel hunting not long ago. That was amazing. Uh, deer hunts have been great lately. So just get outside and uh, enjoy it, whether you're fishing or hunting or, or whatever it is. Because right now, it's the best time of the year. My favorite month, the best time of the year. Mm-hmm. So I'd say get out and enjoy it. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm.